to the next episode of Splitting Cases, sponsored by Murray's Brewing. I've got a moon boy, but our guest today doesn't really drink beer. He's more of a whiskey drinker, I just found out. It's a lovely little campfire feel we've got going here. Yeah, we're in a, uh, a bedroom in Annandale, all kind of around on the floor around the microphones. Yeah. And um, you're new to the podcast, Darren Hanlon. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> See, this is the thing. You bring beer to this session yeah. a lot. Yeah. Mm. And I'm the first one that's refused it. Should I be? Yeah, but no, that's okay. Well, we don't really want to make you sick. I that's could make a, a, I could make a cup of tea or something. If you, if you feel, if you feel left out, you surely. Okay. I'll make it through. <laughs> yeah, I'll make it. But you guys go for it. Get sure. knock yourself out. <laughs> We've got a long drive ahead of us. Well, there's a mattress on the floor here to save you pass out. <laughs> I'll just throw a blanket. I, I don't think it'll be that many beers, but um, yeah, no, we luckily uh, my wife is driving us back, so that's not too bad. Oh, good. Thank you for jumping <laughs> in and making it responsible service. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to have you go. Like... We're sitting here drinking beers <laughs> and we're going to drive home. This is a responsible podcast. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Exactly. Educational. So, well, speaking of educational, neither of us have any experience in the subject you picked today, but that's kind of what we love about this podcast. Well, we general. could change subject mid-podcast. I mean, is that being done... It has been done it's many been done times. Intentionally okay. right. and well, unintentionally. You, you were asking me what my favourite movies were. That's the huge thing. It's about what your favourite thing is, not yeah. else. Ah, oh, well, I chose when, when I heard that. I've got a lot of favourite movies, Harold and Maud being one of them. Mm. But I feel like it's probably being talked about a lot. So, Wake in Fright is my favourite Australian movie. Yeah. But it has been talked about a lot as well. But I'm... thing about movies, I love... Is finding the locations. Yeah. For me, I don't know what that is, but um, I just feel like I feel closer to the movie if I can see where it oh, was made. I totally get that. Going to the US in in September for the second time, and any time I've travelled overseas where I've I've known that there's you know a venue or a particular building or something like that or a town, I always make sure I go through it. I yeah, I just yeah, I just come back from over there and um, I mapped out Harold and Maud um, location journey. Yeah. We never got time to do most of it, but I did track down Maud's um, trailer. Nice. Carriage. And and what apparently what happened in the 70s was they drove this trailer along the tracks to, to the film location mm. and then took it straight back to the museum. So it's still in this, 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 um, this rail museum in the desert. Yeah. And because it's in a museum, it'd still be in, in it'd still be together, it'd still be there and looked after. Yeah, it doesn't have um, any of the props in there, but the carpet's the same, and the the little divider that she opens. Yeah. To her little bedroom and stuff, yeah. and um, the problem is, it, it's a um, it's a it's a rail museum, so they're not they're not into movies, they're into mm. rail. Yeah. So they're not making a big deal out of this. As people that are into rail are. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, what? Who cares? It about doesn't matter that it's been in a movie if it's a particular kind of train or carriage. We're good, you know. Yeah, that's all yeah. you need. Um, so, and it's not one of the the great classic ones they got there. So it's locked mm. away. Yeah. And I I went to a one of the the old guards that was there, and I said, oh, you know, do you know where Maud's carriage is? And he went, oh, it's in a shed. Don't don't worry about it. I like, yeah. Well, somebody's requested this before. I don't know what you. Yeah. Or after it for... But the good thing about having as an, ac- an accent, you can say, oh, I've actually flown all the way just to see it. <laughs> bit of special treatment. Yeah. yeah. Bit, bit, a little bit of guilt. Chuck yeah, yeah. throw some guilt when, when necessary. <laughs> and he went, oh, okay. So we went, he got the keys and he showed us in there. Because it's all volunteer run, the place. Yeah, so. yeah. And they're old and dudes. not too much sweat off his back to go and unlock a, yeah. unlock a cupboard. 
Yeah, well, exactly. I'm going to show my ignorance here, but what's Harold and Maude? Oh, it's a, um, it's a cult film. It's probably one of the biggest cult films ever, I'd say. Um, and once you see it, you see it referenced a lot in modern movies. People right. are trying to recreate... It's got a certain atmosphere about it that... that they pro- Well, Hal Ashby is the director, and he, he managed to get atmosphere in a lot of his movies. It, it's, it's just this un, untold thing that when you're watching him, you just know it's a Hal Ashby movie. What but, else did he direct? He did um, Being There, which is another one of his his um, famous ones, which is Peter Sellers' movie. Mm. The one I, he did Bound for Glory, which I didn't love, mm. um, the Woody Guthrie one, but it still has just some beautiful moments in it. Um, Shampoo, I think he did. Uh, there's a Jack Nicholson one. Um, the Last Detail, I think it's called. Oh, I don't think I've seen that, but I know that. Yeah, yeah. it's... Um, it's got atmosphere. It's got some beautiful atmosphere in it. That, yeah. So I think um, it's Harold Maud's a love story, and not about trains. Well, there's a bit about trains. There's okay. model trains in it. So if you're into trains, you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you'll get something out of it. Well, um, my my father-in-law's uh, quite into trains. So okay. He's, yeah. He's big on that. Yeah. Oh, we'll have, have, to have a little date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can wine and dine him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Harold and Maud, yeah, um, but yeah, so it's got, there's lots of websites um, just dedicated to the movie, people yeah. that have done similar things to me and gone nerded out Yeah. and found, yeah, but the, what fascinates me is the fact that there could be remnants of these movies left that no mm. one's discovered yet, even now, mm. I heard a story when I was out in Broken Hill that some Mad Max nerds went out into the desert where Bad Max 2 was filmed yeah. and they they got the um, the film on a laptop and they matched up the, <laughs> lands, the landscape exactly where the, sh- the scenes that had been filmed. That is brilliant. Yeah, and they found on the ground the prosthetic fingers from the guy that gets got his <laughs> hand cut off by the, the, the boomerang. Just because no one had been looking in that place. Yeah, and this is in the 90s. Oh my God. You know, so... That's brilliant. These things could be out there. Well, I suppose with with a film like Waking Fright being an Australian shot film, it would be much easier for you to go and you know map that out. Yeah, and I found it by, well, the way um, I found Waking Fright, I just love that it was. Uh, it was well, it was lost for years. Hmm. So um, I. Th- I went and saw it. I'd been told about it, and everyone and my, some of my friends said, you know, if you ever get the chance to see this movie, go. Yeah. But there was just no chance to see it. Yeah. Because it just wasn't available. And people didn't really care about it that much that mm. I could tell. Just, it was kind of cult as well. And then um, they found it, a print of it, um, that was in a, in a crate in America somewhere that was mm. about to be destroyed. So... Well, the, the last, the negative that they were able to piece it all together. So they flew it back to Sydney and they played it for one night because they want to damage the negative in a, in a cinema here and mm. it was packed and it was such a... Everyone drank beer that night. Yeah, yeah. Me. You just wanted to drink beer after seeing that movie. I do like that it's not often these, well, in this day and age that things can be a mystery because like, everything's just available to everyone all the time. Exactly. And that whole mystique of things being whispered about, that just kind of doesn't really happen that just, much anymore. I feel like, like though through the late 80s and early 90s there was a period there where a lot of that stuff was lost because it was 
it was almost like it was wasn't seen of why do you need to keep it and restore it. It was over time and well, mm. just left to, like kept alive by conversation, and that's yeah, that's that's pretty special, I think. Hey, I got a mate that's um really big into VHS, and really? he was his point was you know it was, it's the internet's taken the magic out of a lot of these things, and that mm. your favorite artist in the world has this nineteen whatever. 70 something concert complete on YouTube you can watch the whole thing yeah. you know and if, imagine if you'd found a VHS in an op shop with that yeah. you'd just be like what you'd be full on I remember amazing. buying like shitty bootlegs in the 90s like unauthorised recording of it was just oh, some yeah. shitty audience recording yeah. and then I'd go home and listen to it and go wow I found something like this is like a little treasure yeah, yeah. But, yeah. whereas the glut of that on the internet now it's sort of there's so much it's a bit of it, you, you don't even jump into it yeah. you don't even bother yeah, that's true. But um, but I think the lesson is that not everything's on the internet. There still yeah. is. There's things you that... think it is. Like something in your mind goes, the internet has everything. But I'm surpri- always surprised at stuff that I'm into, looking it up and there's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Is it because it's no one's thought to put it up yet and no one's sort of... There's not enough people to have missed it? I think that a lot of stuff I'm into is just not very popular. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've just been looking up um, photos of the Gympie Gold Rush Parade. There's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing on there. Really? Yeah, and that's one. That's wonderful. What, what are we talking? Oh, it still happens. It still happens. Yeah. So from it's not internet worthy. Any year past, it's just not ended up on the internet. We'd all dress up as like little swagmen and and gold prospectors and march up the street. You know. So tell me, your mum has photos of that. Well, she probably does. <laughs> She's probably yeah, a little fake beard drawn on, you know. That's brilliant. Yeah. Needs to be submitted to BuzzFeed next that's, time. And that's then it'll just be picked brilliant. up short. It'll be viral. <laughs> Gold rush. Hmm. Well, that's the thing, you know. Your parents haven't thought to put your photos of you doing that on the net. So, you know, it's probably a lot of people that haven't thought to upload things like that. Or well, Some people still notice. value privacy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But, you know, is something of historical value, you know. To you, it's well, look, Mum's not on Facebook, and the day she is, Facebook. That, this my privacy might be blown forever. You know? <laughs> my mum just joined. It was it was odd. It's traumatic. Yeah, Tell it her odd. everyone's leaving it now. Yeah. Just... Well, it's when it's when your mum starts joining it. That's when people start, you yeah. know, <laughs> drifting off. But Dad called me last Saturday to oh. get me to talk him through changing Mum's profile. Profile. I was about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Because. She's just gotten a new kitten. Her cat of 15 years has died. And so she went outside and put the kitten on top of the cat headstone of the old cat and took a picture and Mm. was uh, asking Dad to talk to me about how to make it the profile picture. I thought, oh, okay, we'll talk through this. We can do this. That's really symbolic, the cat on the cat grave. Yeah, I know. Mm. It got real dark real quick. It's like the new Doctor Who or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you have gone and done a bit of uh, Wake and Fright I've found every location now except one. Which one are you looking for? Um, the Donald Pleasant's, where the location of his hut was. I'm sure it's not there anymore. But... So he's so just because I've done a little bit of research, guy goes and gets posted out rural as a teacher, and this yeah. is this guy. Yeah, bonded slave he calls it. Okay. So. Um, I think it's probably there's some version of this still happens. So when you're a teacher, when you graduate, you you're placed somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And um, the rich ones could go; they could buy their way out of it. And he mm. was he was sent <laughs> to the desert and had to teach this little school. 
and then gets trapped in the town over a summer and gets involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gets involved in a downward spiral. Yes, yeah. And um and I went I went to record or write this album out there in the pub and I got involved. <laughs> I thought I was gonna be um it's a town where you just have to get involved. Mm. Yeah. If you step outside the Involved in the culture, involved in the drinking, involved in the night. Well, you're just meeting people all yeah. the time. It's a great, like, it's a really social town. Yeah. And a lot of the things that um, existed, uh, the social activities that existed when the film was made in the 70s still, yeah, you recognise these characters. Yeah. Cause it, is it because it's not necessarily, like, big city life? A lot of other things haven't seeped into that culture. It's just, you know, we're doing the same old thing we did. What's well, that thing... Out here, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> That's what that fit the kind of feeling is out there. Yeah, um, yeah. It was. I went. I went out there years ago when I first saw that. When it was first played in Sydney, I was really obsessed. Like, yeah, I need yeah. to see where this where this went down. So I got a train out there, and I went around. It's a long uh, train. The train. Yeah, it's only four carriages. Oh, I meant like distance. That's I know, terrible. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. I mean, I am a new dad. I should have picked up on that quicker. <laughs> um, so I got out there and uh, and started asking people about the movies, and everyone wanted to mm. talk about Mad Max and Priscilla even. Yeah. But um, as soon as I brought up Wake and Fright, it was like people would just blank me, just like, oh, we, yeah, we don't. We don't talk, talk about yeah, that. Really? No, yeah. It's the dark past. Too confronting. Serious. Holding up a too mirror close to, to the society, truth. yeah. Because it is too close to the truth. Maybe the maybe they saw. I mean, it's, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's kind of Australian Gothic, I guess. Okay. Call it realism. My my view of um, Broken Hill is probably somewhat tainted because I've only been there the once, and it was for a funeral. It was not under good oh, circumstances, no. so I, I can't say I really soaked in the atmosphere too <laughs> yeah, much it was yeah. a largely depressing time you just went out there f- did you fly out there no we, we drove oh you drove yeah yeah. yeah. it was a long lots of emus but uh yeah you see the emus <clears throat> from the train and like I think we stopped at Wilcania oh yeah yeah. yeah and that yeah. was a, a strange place <laughs> yeah well, Wilcania is you, get, you see the um that's a really interesting town because you see how the, the fall of a town because it was once you, you see all the beautiful stand, sandstone buildings when the Darling River back back in the day when it was a, a trade route you know mm. it was a thriving town and it's just now it's got lots of social problems um, it's a pretty weird place to, to be I, I spent a bit of time out there because Wilcania is kind of like one of the birthplaces of modern or no sorry birthplaces of like Aboriginal country music okay yeah mm. contemporary music because um, Dougie Young came from out there and he yeah he was a great songwriter and just there were lots of musicians hanging out there and there still are Aboriginal um, country singers mm. yeah so um, but yeah I don't know there's not many gigs or anything out there it's no. just, just jamming out and yeah which is cool on its own thing yeah you know yeah yeah it's yeah. no it's um it's a pretty wild place. Yeah, I don't get the feeling I'd like to hang out there unless I had an in. Like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. feel like if you if you knew someone, it might be okay. But otherwise, I don't know that it'd be. Did you just stop for fuel? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. And I feel like a lot and of even that, do. 
a little bit dicey. Yeah, right. <laughs> like it right. did seem like there was like some segregation or well, there's like no money social there. issues, um, like, like you said. And the saddest thing is, it's it's so hot, mm. and you can't even swim in the river anymore. I mean, this is another political issue. Yeah, about, yeah. about like leaching off the irrigate irrigators in in um north of there just leaching off the river so you can't Serious. even the poor kids can't there's algae Serious. growing because it doesn't flow yeah oh so they're up yeah. against it in Wilcannia yeah yeah see my my knowledge of and my experience in smaller Australian towns is so lacking because when I was 10 we moved to New Zealand and I lived there until I was 20 and then when I came back it was pretty much just like Newcastle Sydney Melbourne Darwin Newcastle Sydney Melbourne yeah. You know, so I didn't really get out to a lot of places outside of those main towns. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not too late. <laughs> it's not too late, no. Exactly. Yeah. And the good news is there's a lot more to look at Look at then. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm trying to think of some other interesting locations. Yeah, uh, there's one at the end where he goes to a bar and it, it's, it looks like an old house that has hotel written on the roof. Yeah. And I could never find it. Because it no longer had hotel written on the roof? Well, I just didn't know where it, where it was. Yeah. Like, the scene would suggest it was in Silverton, yeah. where they filmed a lot of the Mad Max stuff. Um, and then the day I was leaving um, Broken Hill, I fell asleep on the train as soon as I got in. It leaves early in the morning, and um, and I woke up as the sun hit my face and mm. looked out, and there it was. It was It was a house just in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Serious? And you weren't even, you see even where really it was looking? Painted. Nah. I just happened to open my eyes at that moment. That's like, brilliant. There it is. That's the one. That's brilliant. And it's actually, yeah, it's quite a bit out of town. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's well, awesome. clearly that was meant to happen. That was meant to happen. <laughs> I am the world's authority on Wake and Fright locations. <laughs> and a few of them were in Sydney here. Yeah. The um, SCG bar was uh, was one. Yeah, yeah, Interior. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like you may also be the world authority because not a lot of people are into going and scouting film locations like that and getting that many down and searching that hard. Probably in America it's it's pretty big. Yeah. I wanted to do all the Back to the Future ones. I've done mm. the Goonies ones. The Goonies ones are all covered. There's You've lots of the nerds. Goonies ones? Yeah, there's lots of nerds doing that. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. I'm not the only nerd doing that one. <laughs> That's All around awesome. my age. Just these, these weird nerd, <laughs> older, older dudes just walking around with a fake pirate map. <laughs> But it, it matters. It's a connection, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, my my knowledge of 70s Australian films was completely expanded. Was I watched, did you see that documentary on Ozploitation films? And Quentin Tarantino had a huge hand. And yeah. He was there in every second frame talking about things. I wouldn't have been able to name half of those films before. Yeah, I guess there a lot of them are being re-released now, but I did see the... The man from Hong Kong's pretty, mm. it's pretty amazing. I mean that they thought to um, stage a kung fu fight on Air's Rock. Yeah, yeah. You know, something you cannot do now at all. No, and uh, yeah, lots of just gratuitous car crashes and yeah, yeah. That's gratuitous everything in a lot of those movies. Yeah, yeah. Now I've seen. Oh well, Razorback was another one that was filmed out in um, in Broken Hill. Razorback was was that the one that um. Fellow from Ice House did the synth soundtrack for. Oh, really? Was that, was that that one? Ivor Davies. Yeah. He Possibly. did. He did like a. Let, what's wrong with this? Synth soundtrack <laughs> for an eighties Australian. What was what was that about? 
That was the Killer oh Pig. Yes, that was it. Yeah, I'm pretty oh. sure Ivor Davies did the synth soundtrack for that. Wow. Yeah. What if that's available on vinyl? I don't know if it's available on vinyl, but I, think... I bet the internet has nothing yeah. on that. No, I think it does actually because it does, uh... we did this podcast on. Um... What did Richard Stevens do? The um... Um, Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness, yeah. and his second choice was Razorback, and um, he brought out his copy of the VHS. Speaking of yeah, VHS, VHS collection. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was rifling through the back of it, and I was like, oh, I think this is the one. Yeah, it does have some synth stuff in it. Yeah, it's kind of surrealist. Some of that movie. Mm. There's a whole like um, dream sequence in there that's that's pretty amazing. I've seen it. I've seen it once, but when I was much younger. Was our version of Jaws? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Rather than shark a killer pig, <laughs> just a killer pig. I think the tagline was Jaws on land. Oh man! <laughs> Razorback's not too good in the water either. Mm. <laughs> Jaws is not nearly as terrifying. On, it's land. on land, you've yeah, just got to make that connection. Like, uh, take the water out, Jaws. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Ivor Davies though, terrifying. Well, <laughs> I thought you were going to say that we talked about it. When we were doing that 80s music podcast, we got a lot of Ice House talk. Yeah, we did get um, a lot of Ice House yeah. talk with that So I was one. trying to like track back in my mind when we were talking about it. No, there wasn't a lot of Ice House, but I don't think we touched on Razorback there. Yeah. No. So have you interviewed Ivor Davies? No. No, we you haven't. Try and get him for the next... Well, shit, he'd be really interesting. He can talk. Yeah. He came to um, my university and gave a songwriting lecture. Oh, really? Yeah, on Is how he good? wrote Electric Blue. I think he was he made he, he he had writer's block and he was locked in a room and said don't let me out until I come out with something. And he wrote that. Actually yeah. no, he wrote that with the fella from Hollow Notes, didn't he as well? Did he? Yeah. Maybe he was locked in the room as well. Maybe. <laughs> Probably, you know, don't let me out until we've got something. Let me out now, please. <laughs> Apparently Hank Williams used to do that too. Just lock himself. Give the key, you know. Nothing like That's time. A pretty nothing good. like time pressure, you know, you should like do that. I should do that. It's like, I'm going to need to eat at some point. Uh, I'm going to need to, you know, we get out We just slide the tray under the door. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, there's this untapped market in prisons everywhere. We just need to get them onto writing music, <laughs> slide the food under. Yeah. yeah. Uh, funnily enough, um, while we're on that tangent, because, yeah, this does go on a tangent, um, on Richard Feidler's conversations the other day, they had um, you know, Vic Sims that did The Loner and oh, yeah, um, yeah, Luke yeah. Peacock recently redid that version with a whole bunch of other guys. I think Rusty from UMI was on drums. And yeah, right. They right. redid The Loner in its record entirety. But his story was fantastic in that he was in... Was it Goulburn Prison or something like Bathurst, that? Bathurst, I think. Was it Bathurst or Goulburn? But ba- probably Bathurst, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was signed onto like a one or two record deal and they recorded it in the prison cell with a mobile recording unit state of the art and then the prison system ended up wheeling him out on tour as sort of an example of how good they are and how great they are rehabilitating inmates and then he eventually cracked the shits and went no I'm not doing this for you and then his record ended up getting lost and then revived and well he's kind of jamming a bit these days isn't he yeah because he suddenly had this resurgence in maybe the last five years because you know, people like um, Luke Peacock. I can't remember what band he was from, but it was around. It was a Brisbane band the last maybe ten years. Yeah. But he's revived that record, and it's such a great record. It's a great protest record. Yeah, it is. But it's such an amazing story as well, and something that just it just wouldn't happen now. I heard somewhere that he he would play the songs down the toilet because mm. if you flush the toilet, you 
you, everyone could hear it down the line, so they knew he was about to play a song. <laughs> yeah. He would sing it, and the other prisoners would hear it. Oh, that's Something amazing. Something like that. I don't know the physics behind it, but... It's yeah. like it's like tin can with string kind of... Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Like Put your down head the down toilet. To, up to the toilet, yeah. <laughs> and so they would give him some feedback on his latest latest tracks. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I love the fact that even he had a guitar there, and, you know, someone managed to hear him enough for them to make a record from the prison. What's that romantic notion of all prisoners are sitting around writing folk songs? Mm. <laughs> Which you'd like to think... It's probably a lot of hip-hop these days. Yeah, yeah, there probably is. There's pro- yeah, I mean, um, it'd be fascinating to see what songs are being written. Yeah. These well, days. There's, something, there's something in, you know... There's a lot of people who are kind of like, oh, there's no protest songs these days like there was in the 70s. I think they really are, but they're in different genre and they're protesting different things and the entire nature of what a protest song is isn't just, you know, Neil Young anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, that's why I think there hasn't... People are too complacent to protest. (laughs) Well, yeah, I wonder... Well, we had to do this special on protest songs for Triple R. And... um, it's made me think about it, you know. It's like why, why aren't there more protest songs these days? Or but are they? Or are there? You know. I, th- I think I think there totally are. They're just it's it's not a wide brand social issue. There's a lot of different things being covered by a lot of different genres in a lot of different ways. I guess yeah. you could classify that um, the lead single off the new Drones record as a protest song. Oh, yeah. it's a great song. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. yeah. You guys are really song. getting through the beers here. Second one. Second one. That's good though. I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice that. It's just stealthy. Yeah, <laughs> we're quite professional at this beer drinking. Yeah, wow, you've got it down. You should try for other stuff. I wonder why. Get it heavily sponsored. <laughs> we'll just have multiple sponsors. Sponsors, sponsors by boom, 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 boom. Butter menthols would be nice. <laughs> you know, Coming you get a little horse from yeah. you know from chatting stuff. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's at the end of we, the podcast. It's like guys, we podcast hard, so we need we need to keep our throats in tip top condition. And fisherman's friend. Fisherman's our friends. best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like they're um, Well you need some Chesterfield You walked here, so you need some good shoes. Oh my god, we got it we've gotta have you repping some ideas yeah, here. Yeah, backpack, you gotta carry all See, those look beers. At this. I envy the ability in certain musicians and entertainers to be able to do to sell themselves because yeah. both of us don't have that ability it's so hard to do mm. how do you do it what's that to be able to sell yourself to be able to go out there and say these are my tracks this is my album this oh, is my thing I just I've never been able to do that yeah. I thought you meant sponsorships no never, I, but you just some sell of my friends have spon- sponsors but I thought what would mine be you know if I had to approach a company mm. it'd have to be yogurt it's the one thing I like every day. It's the one consistency. Yeah. Yogurt. I wouldn't go yo play too sugary, but um, just some Greek style yogurt. Just some Greek, like yeah. if I had to play in front of a banner that had that, or Metamucil or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'd do it. It's I got like... a band called the Metamucils. Really? Yeah. We oh just do God. nursing homes. <laughs> no, it's true. No way. Yeah. You fucking serious? They love it. That's amazing. What yeah. do you play? Just um. Uh, we do Slim Dusty songs. We do um, some of the old ones. Bye Bye Blackbird. I need to hear this. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Back up all your cares. Well, you've got a lot of years to go before you're in the demographic. Well, I hope when I'm in a nursing home, you'll still be playing Metamucils. Yeah, the Metamucils will still be playing. It's a... It's a... Uh, yeah. Fluid. It's, it's like the reverse Wiggles. It's 
<laughs> we don't we don't dress up. We should. Oh, There's we kind of no, dress up no in old like, fashioned. We try and dress as old fashioned as we can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Suit the times. Yeah. We're not on the internet, so don't go looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a bummer. I really yeah. want to hear that now. Yeah. <laughs> Put him in gunning for sponsorships. I'm sure, you know, Timmy Rogers would take you know some Prohibition hot sauce now. Oh, it's yeah. almost it's almost like the album's almost begging for it. You know. Well, I was saying to Sarah Blasco, she should do Tablasco sauce as well. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. She wasn't into that idea. Mm. <laughs> Maybe there's a there's a bridge too far there. Selling yourself is sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I don't so sucks. It. But not even guitars. All my guitars are all like old, crappy, pop mm. shop guitars. People go, why don't you go get a mate and sponsorship? But I've never, yeah. That would also change your sound as well. Yes. You know, you'd, you'd completely, you'd have this completely you know, slick, lush kind of mate and sound. But I like the old crappy guitar sound. That's part of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, there's, there's a charm to it. Well, you pick up an old guitar and, and it feels like there's songs inside of it. Yeah. To be found, whereas a new mate, and I don't feel it. I can't. I can play a G chord. You can play. I, you know what? I pick up a mate, and it makes me want to play. Um, Every rose has its thorn. <laughs> Straight away. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is about a new mate, but yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's just, it's just that that sound. You know, it's beautiful. It rings, but it's it feels like a pair of new sneakers. You know, it's it, they you need to wear be it worn in. in. Yeah, yeah. And old guitars. Certain, and it's no rhyme or reason either. Some. You just sometimes pick up this magic instrument that's got... Like, Neddy over there, that's the... Um, it's in that little case there. That's got tons of songs in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and there's more to be found. But yeah, and everyone that picks it up as well can feel it. My nephew is just starting to play guitar. And um, he's... At the, at the moment, like, he's literally weeks into starting guitar, mm-hmm. and he's learning um, O to Joy at the moment, mm-hmm. just single notes, and he was playing through, and I was trying to kind of go through chords with him, because he can get D and he can get A, but he's like, no, I don't think I can learn guitar, my fingers just won't make a G shape, and I'm like, oh, buddy, you just got to keep keep at that one, you know, your fingers G's the hard just one. Gotta... It's a stretch. Yeah, but, you know, you try telling a 10-year-old that over time, the more you do it, your fingers just start to mould to that shape a bit more, and then it just becomes second nature. Yeah. Muscle memory, kid. Oh, man. Yeah. To, you, to tell a 10-year-old with it, absolutely it, no it, patience that is amazing. It's yeah. It's a difficult job. And often the G, yeah, G chord, we learned it, yeah, I learned it the wrong way first. So when I went to uni, my lecturer was like, that's not how you play G. And it's a bigger stretch, yeah. like with your little finger on the G note. A lot of people play it with the third finger yeah. on the G. On the but putting finger. both the... For those people at home, we're making sh- <laughs> Yeah, shapes. yeah, sorry about that. Chord shapes just... in the air. Better in get the guitar out. Hold on. All right. We're now going to get a sponsorship from Guitar <laughs> Player magazine. <laughs> a couple of... I think, it's, I think it's hard as well when you haven't got a guitar in your hand and you're trying to... Um... Yeah. But look how small this thing is, so... Yeah. You can definitely see the ears in it. Um, so that's it. But that's okay. how most people play. And you were playing with this one there. Okay, so the yeah, listener, yeah. Sounds exactly the same. Yeah. Visually. So that's almost like that's almost like a C shape up. Because then you can just go to C. Yeah. Really down. Oh man. Okay. So yeah. if you're going like that. 
Yeah, like yeah. Shifting your whole hand position. That's a pain in the ass. And at uni, because your thumb has to go over for this. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a picture on the wall of a guy getting his thumb shot off with a gun. <laughs> because that's like, what you put up. I didn't know our teacher. He was hard ass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. um, my dad who was running through um, teaching my nephew Zach how to play. Um, he plays left-handed, and um, he accidentally printed off um, a chord sheet of left-handed chords, and I came over to Zach, and um, he's like, oh, I've been trying to play this chord, and I'm like, that doesn't look right to me, and he's like, well, it says it on the sheet, and I'm like, oh, buddy, oh, that's, that's left-handed, you're, you're playing right-handed. So he learned it upside down. He learned it upside down, oh. yeah. I think Courtney, that she did that too, didn't she? Mm. She's a lefty. I don't know. Is I she? she? I think she originally learned, and some of my other friends have too, when they're left-handed, they it's really hard to get access to an actual left-handed guitar. It, it is. That was the whole reason, because I'm left-handed yeah. naturally day by day, but when I started learning, all my guitar friends said, no, 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 you will find it a pain in the ass if you have to you know, pick up somebody else's guitar yeah. playing. You can't. And, oh, check out... um. Elizabeth Cotton on the internet. She, Elizabeth Cotton. She she does um, play a guitar upside down. It's all she learnt. That's how, that's how she knew. So yeah. so she's playing like a like a left-handed guitar the normal way. Well, like her thumb is playing the high string. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. She does that freight train song. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We <laughs> have gone extremely off topic though. We probably didn't do a good synopsis of what it is for everyone did we no I don't think we got we got a little ways in there it was Chips Rafferty's last film and it was Jack Thompson's first film I know Chips Rafferty through a whole bunch of American films he was in really I think he was in a bunch of American films just like small parts ah yeah I know he did British some like he's in the bush oh I've watched the bush Christmas so many times used to be on telly every Christmas yeah on the ABC, but they don't seem to play it anymore. Oh, but another interesting little thing um, about Waking Fright is um, I managed to pick up a, like a bootleg of it and I took it to the States and um, I'll just play it for anyone that wanted to see it. <laughs> and then some friends of mine, I'd just been touring with this band, The Magnetic Fields. Yeah. And so I wanted to show it to them. So I booked a little cafe in Brooklyn that had a cinema out the back, like a tiny little mm. projector. And um, it could fit maybe 30 or 40 people in there. So I invited them all and I played it. And I gave this speech beforehand, this little, you know, synopsis and, and just a bit of knowledge mm. about what I'd, what I'd learned. This is a while wisdom. ago. A bit of wisdom. <laughs> I just imparted a little bit of wisdom on them. And, um, but I didn't... There's there's a really savage scene in there of where a lot of kangaroos get killed. Oh man, okay. And it's real. Yeah. It's real. Even though Jeez. they weren't killed for the film. Yeah. It's real. And um but I didn't think about it, you know, and it's not one of the scenes that I mean, now you you do watch it and you just oh yeah. But I just I just didn't I didn't think about it and I should have. Yeah. And so when that scene happened it people started the scene. People started groaning and like, oh, oh man. People started leaving. Um, someone was making the noise, making noise like she was going to throw up. Oh, serious. I went, oh, I've lost, I've lost friends <laughs> here. Um, I, sp- I suppose um, if you've got a room full of people not expecting that, yeah, it comes a bit of a shock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and especially, well, no, you know, we don't like seeing animals being hurt. 
No. But one thing in Australia is we see a lot of roadkill, you know? Yeah. So the thought of a dead kangaroo is um, something that we've seen. Yeah. At least. We've at least seen it. Yeah. You know? Because they're attracted to the headlights and all that. Um, but Americans may be horrified at the idea of this beautiful creature, mm. uh, you know, being shot. And this scene, this scene goes on for way too long. Be gratuitous. <laughs> yeah, a little oh, bit. Man. I mean, it's it's part of it. But well, we are a country that sort of eats our national animal as well. Mm. You know? Oh, you can go up the road and get a coat of arms plate. Yeah, and eat exactly. that and eat you on the one plate. After the film, no one spoke. We all mm. we, it was because this cafe had drinks and stuff, and everyone just it wasn't the reaction that we'd had when we saw it in Sydney. When yeah. everyone was electrified, everyone was everyone was like, "We found our film." Yeah, everyone had that feeling like. We found a film that speaks to us, about us. Yeah. It's made by a foreigner and maybe it took that. Maybe it took an outside view to be able to, to see us, especially yeah. back then. But anyway, in America, no one wanted to talk about it afterwards. And I, I thought it was going to open this, you know, I was, yeah. it's going to be able to wax lyrical about all my, <laughs> all my facts. Because a lot, a lot of the Australian films, <laughs> like the Crocodile Dundee kind of films that were sold and major successes overseas mm. were not really the most accurate representation of life in Australia. Well, it's... I thought Crocodile Dundee's a great movie, you know, apart from the sequels. It's kind of... It's it's just funny. It's like the funny side of us. But, it, yeah, it's like a kid's movie almost. Yeah, yeah. But this is more, yeah. Well, it's, it's not, well I guess that's what it was meant to do. It was meant yeah. to be a bit hammed up. That's kind yeah. of what it is. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, but this is a different kettle of fish. So... So anyway, um, we're sitting in the bar and everyone left and I went, I, I'm never showing this movie to anyone again because <laughs> I don't want to lose any more friends. And Oh, that's right. So at the end at the end of um, the film, this disclaimer comes up saying, no kangaroos were shot for, this for film. the film. Um, this is this thing saying how the kangaroos endangered this... this yeah. yeah. And, um, and Stephen Merritt from the Magnetic Fields went, thank God! When he read that and just walked out, and um, yes, but anyway, like people were thinking they they just rounded up a bunch of kangaroos and shot it for the film. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Man. It's brutal. So I'm guessing yeah. that was one of the uh, more awkward moments. You, you <laughs> that, had. Was, that was awkward. But then this is the little postscript to this story. Hmm. The Magnetic Fields at the time had a movie out about their band. They had a documentary, and they that movie was shown in San Francisco as part of the film festival there and they're at a table with a bunch of other filmmakers yeah and this guy this old guy starts talking about movies he's made he's talking about First Blood um he made First so yeah. my friend in the Magnetic Fields had looked up the the director of Wake and Fright and realised that he went on to make First Blood mm. and Weekend at Bernie's believe it or not serious? yeah so this guy starts talking about First Blood and she goes, you didn't happen to make Wake in Fright, did you? And he just slammed his hand on the table and went, how did you know that? How do you know this movie? That's awesome. And uh, they were sitting, that's like two weeks later, <laughs> with the director of Wake in Fright, Ted Kotcheff. And, and he said, how do you know this? And she said, well, my friend um, played it for us a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He goes, who is this? <laughs> and she thought I was going to get in trouble. She, yeah. didn't, she didn't work out whether he was happy or angry about it. But yeah. found out that he was happy and he, he emailed. Good. She gave him my email and he emailed me. And um, he said, I'd like to um, meet you. 
Serious? Yeah, he works on like Law and Order or something like that. Oh, one of those shows. wow! Okay. One of those. So he's really... been going for. He doesn't direct anymore. He produces. I'm in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you were vindicated in the end. It's vindicated. In a way, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he contacted you, man. So then Claudia from the band and I yeah. went to meet him at. We just met him by where they film Law and Order. We went to his favorite little cafe and. Yeah. He came in. And he talked for two hours about Waking Fright. He told all these stories. Seriously. I'm just sitting there going, this is, this is wild. Yeah. He's just rambling on. And I didn't know a lot about his other movies. So yeah. the, when I found out I was going to meet him, I went and bought a few more of his movies. And I got this one, which was filmed around the same time, which was an important movie for Canada called um, The... What is it called? The Apprenticeship of... Duddy Kravitz. No idea. Uh, yeah, I think it's called The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz. Yeah. From memory. <clears throat> um, and it's one of Richard Dreyfuss's first movies. Okay, okay. yeah. So I watched it the night before I went to meet him. Yeah. And there's a scene in the movie where Richard Dreyfuss's Duddy Kravitz um, wins all this money. or some, Yeah, someone cheats and wins a lot of money but then tries to give it back. Hmm. Because they because of their guilt complex about it. I think that's how it goes. Yeah. yeah, and so, and so then when we we're in um, I'm at lunch with this this guy, and he said he's talking about how he went to Broken Hill to, you know, suss out the movie and stuff. And yeah, to know everyone, and he went to a two up game like is in the movie. He went to yeah. an actual two up game at the, at the illegal like little place they had in the back streets of Broken Hill, mm. and he won. He just kept winning. He he threw. I don't know how many straight heads. He, he just kept throwing them and he won thousands of dollars. Serious? Yeah. He, he said the money was up to his ankles. It's not a game face. of skill. It's just chance and he kept winning. Amazing, yeah. It's full on. Yeah. Um, which can happen. That's yeah, the whole thing exactly. of Rose of France and Gilderstein. You know, it's like yeah. you can... Probability says that it is possible that you can throw hundreds in a row. Yeah. You know, or it can go on forever. Yeah. Or um, it could... You know, fall to the next time. Well, I, I used to do this um, this gambling thing. I thought it was genius at yeah. the, the double up, the double up theory at What's the, the up with theory? roulette. Well, the double up it means that if you put a bet on, yeah. this is real nerdy now. That's fine. If you put a bet on, right, a two dollar bet, right, yeah. on red or black, um, and it goes red, you yeah. win four, you pull out, you've won, okay. Yeah. But say it goes black. You lose. So ne- the next bet, you put four dollars on. You're covering your last bet. Yeah. And you, but but then it, you know if it keeps going black, it goes eight dollars, sixteen dollars, thirty-two dollars. It quickly gets yeah. to like thousands of dollars. It's a it's a dumb method. Don't try this. At home. Don't try that. Don't <laughs> try for a while. I thought make it back. Yeah, because I yeah. I used to say, well, how many times can it go black in a row? Surely it's got to come it's up gotta, my way. Yeah, surely within four goes, it's going to come back to red. And I'll always win enough money for a kebab. It's the complete reverse of two up in Broken Hill. You know, it can go one way forever. Yeah. Well, then when I talked to a croupier and I said, what's the most you've ever seen it go one colour? And he went 26 times. Jesus. So that's you're into the millions of dollars then. Yeah. To win $2. And and you've got to get out at that point. So it's really dumb. Anyway, that's a little aside. I'm glad that at a very early age I decided that gambling was not my thing. Really? Yeah. Like I, well, when I say early age, I was like 19. But like, <laughs> I'd gone out, like... I'd gone out for a year when I was legal to gamble, and then went, hang on, 
why am I putting money in these? How old were you? Nine. Nineteen. Oh, 19. And I was like, <laughs> I, as long as Nine's I can still a buy beer, why am I gambling for? <laughs> like, yeah. do I really think I'm going to win enough to, you know, not have to work or? Well, I always just had these uh, stupid theories that, um, like, you could beat the system. So it was more about. Yeah, the the winning part than the gambling part. Like I've got this worked out. Yeah, but always my way of winning was high stakes little gains. <laughs> you know, so I needed millions of dollars or thousands of dollars to be able to win two. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah, a, yeah. And even on poker machines where they used to you used to put five cents in them or whatever. Mm. When I was at uni, I always thought, well, if you put a couple of bucks in, it's always going to go over the two dollars that you put in, even if it's fifteen cents. So you always just pull out then. Yeah. So, you know, 15 cent by 15 cents, I was going to become a millionaire. <laughs> See, You're when, really showing the man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, it's psychological because you just win once and you think, I'm going to win again. Yeah. You know, but I, my theory was as soon as you win once, like a little bit, you just, that's it for the day. Yeah. Well, that, that's You're better so off than when stupid. you started. So stupid. When I've ever gambled, it's always been if I'm up. I start getting nervous about it. I was like, ah, do I yeah. keep going? Do I keep going? When do I stop? When do I stop? Um, but if I'm losing, it's completely the other way. It's like, I'll beat this. I'll yeah. beat this. You keep going. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. gamble more if you're losing. Mm-hmm. They're evil things. They yeah. really are. Yeah, it's psychological. But anyway, so I'm having lunch with this director and he said he wins thousands of dollars off all these mining people. Yeah. And was for his life and the guy that the guy that um ran the two up school he said look get going get out of here. and he goes I'll give you a head start just go just go take your money and get out yeah so they get back to the hotel and he's like I've just won I've just taken all these wages from yeah. all these they've been working all week and I've just I've just won all this stuff yeah so he says he goes back to the the guy and says I want to give all this money back and he went don't you dare do that You'll, you'll, you know, your life will be in danger. You, that's an insult. You that's them off more. Because well, it's, it's just an insult. Insult yeah. to injury. Yeah. Stuff. You want out a chance, you know. Yeah, and and so I went. Oh, is that why you put that scene in the apprenticeship of Duddy Cravats? And he went, yes. <laughs> and he goes, that's exactly why. And it, uh, he thought I was some genius, but I'd actually just watched it the night before. before. Yeah. yeah. So he was. Yeah, we were mates after that. Well, clearly, you know, he just being grateful that someone you know was a fan of that period of his filmmaking yeah that you know someone remembered that and someone was showing other people that film well he considers it his favorite his favorite ever movie that he's made even though first blood is an incredible movie yeah he he considers wake and fright you wouldn't change a single frame of it you yeah know, you wouldn't and he the, the the editor was australian and he he was just so he was you know just waxing lyrical about um about that guy and just how amazing what a job he did you know with the footage see I can't wait to watch this movie now and I feel like that's one of the things with podcasts that we do that it's almost better if we haven't experienced the subject because now I'm really keen to check it out you can go back and yeah. well, the, well the best way to get into something is through a friend or someone that you've met that's yeah. super enthusiastic about it because you go in like with positive thoughts about mm-hmm. it it's not just something yeah. random yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and man. go watch um Go watch First Blood. Have you seen it? No. The first Rambo? Oh, no. I've seen it but many years ago, yeah. Um, yeah, I said to I said to my friend recently about about watching it and they're they're like, Oh, has he got like 
his sleeves cut off and like they just just had an idea of what it was going to be. It's mm-hmm. all the characters. Because they kind of got progressively of, yeah. more crazy. Yeah, he yeah. had sleeves for half the film. I've got a mate, they've got a mate that's super into it, but I've just never, never joined him. Yeah, right. The first film is where the 70s become the 80s mm. midway through. It's a, it's like a, it's a gritty character driven piece and then it becomes like an all, no holds barred action, guns and explosions. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And he was saying that, you know, no one, no one, um, wanted to do that movie. Everyone said, Sylvester Stallone's only got one character in him. But little did they know he had two. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a huge range, but it's a range. Yeah. I'm totally going to go and see that now. That's awesome. We have to have a movie night now. Yes, we should. Um, Promise me you'll, you'll, you'll do it on the big screen. Try and find a projector. Ooh. Okay, actually, We should do it in um, when I get the deck finished next week. Yeah. We can do it on the wall outside yeah. and get a projector. Get Deal. some friends. I can, uh, I can borrow a projector from work. Yeah. So. Get you a lot of those this. beers. Do that. Yeah. You should record everyone's reactions. <laughs> and we'll um, let everyone know beforehand that there's a kangaroo scene Don't coming tell up. Don't tell him. So we won't is... invite Dylan. No, that could be... God. Sorry, let's, let's Dylan. Is he vegan? Yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah could very be... much. Mm. So so definitely on the big screen then. Yeah. Okay. Don't watch it on your laptop. Mm. I mean, I think the whole thing's on YouTube. And you're working on um, the bones of film at the moment, but is that your next project? Have you got a record in the works as well? Oh, there's a record and there's a book. A book? There's a book. I'm halfway through that. Yeah, I shouldn't be telling like people. Novel or no? It's a book about my last album. I'm just writing the story about how it happened. Excellent. And all the weirdos that I met. Yeah, because you did a lot of travelling and a lot of picking in, up in stories around yeah. places for that record. It starts and ends in Broken Hill, actually. Because yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, that's where I started the whole project out there. Yeah. And then I returned to it at the end. All right. Thanks, Daz. Good. No worries. Thank you. And uh, if you want to find more from us, splittingcases.com, all the episodes, and hopefully at some point in the near future, reactions uh, to the movie on the projected too. I'm looking forward to it. Splitting.